0: welcome to skull stories presented by cambria proud to be the official countertop of the minnesota vikings tonight we're speaking with former vikings wide receiver greg camarillo all right jay once again the vikings lose another close game on sunday as justin tucker as he's done many times in his career walked off of the vikings 34 to 31 overall cousins Uh, an off night 17 to 28 187 187 yards two passing TDs Dalvin Cook 17 carries 110 yards rushing total he had 90 in the first half and then 20 the rest of the game that has to get fixed Uh, Adam Thielen two receptions for six yards and one touchdown Justin Jefferson three receptions 69 yards and one touchdown play discrepancy Vikings only ran 52 offensive plays. The Ravens ran 89. That also reflects in the in the time of possession. That was a 70-minute game, of which 45 of those 70 minutes, the Vikings were on the field on defense. Only two drives that went longer than two minutes and 45 seconds the whole day. And some were good. I mean, some were, you know, scoring drives ever quick. But at this point of the year, it'd be interesting to see how many more plays our defense has been, you know, has played than our offense. And it's only 62 plays in a game. So they may have another game and a game, game and a half under their belt <laughs> because of how much they've been out there. Bright spots, two turnovers. Wong Wu. I mean, Wong Wu, he's showed showed what he is. And we saw in college film, he's a big kid, he's very fast. I was very disappointed to not get a chance to see him in the preseason because of his injury, but he might be the – I'm not saying next court Darryl Patterson per se, but he has that skill set where you can start integrating him into the offense to do jet sweeps and different things, and and he's, he's that kind of an athlete, no question. And then Kenny willick is stepping up and making the most of – the opportunities had and I guess you look at his career and you're like there's a guy that does that he's a walk-on at Michigan State he's just gonna take advantage of every chance he gets and he runs the ball like that like it is his last play and and being on the topic of effort and defying the odds and taking those things on um, I'm gonna introduce our next guest Greg Camarillo who has defied odds his entire life he's uh, you know, just got a, got a foot in the door, got that toe, that little pinky toe in the door and did the rest himself. So, uh, Greg, welcome to the program. You were a member of this team, oh, 2010, 2011. Um, but I want to start with you. Um, you're originally from Atherton, California, and you went to Stanford. And I want to talk about really your decision to go to Stanford. Why did you go to Stanford? What was it about that place and uh, your decision to stay out on the West Coast?
1: All right, make fun of me for this one, but it, it, when it came down to a, a final couple of schools, I wasn't recruited much. Um, you know, only, only had a chance to really play Division three as a recruited athlete. Other opportunities were walk-on. Uh, I went to Harvard to go check it out, and a California guy, I figured in April, anywhere in the country, I'm fine with a hoodie. And I went to uh, Boston, and they had uh, it's like a 6 a.m. practice, obviously outside, and it's Boston, so it's not that cold <laughs> to them. But I am freezing, and, and thought to myself, I cannot survive on a frozen field. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just this California guy, and, and my blood's not that thick, so um, I couldn't do it. But I had this opportunity to walk on at Stanford, and, and, and you know, even if I. Never ended up seeing the field. The chance to be part of a big Division One program like that was exciting, uh, and then obviously the academics are great. So I went for it. It, it worked out well.
0: From what I've I've read, your you, was your father a professor at Stanford?
1: Yeah. So my my dad was a professor there for forty one years, and I I grew up literally on Stanford Ave. My my no way. address was Stanford Avenue. Yep, and. Uh, I grew up going to Stanford football games, going to basketball games, walking to and from campus like I, I it was my childhood. And so um, that's what made me want to go explore Harvard, but at the end of the day, uh you know, it was it was a great opportunity and I'm glad I stuck around home.
0: Wow, what did he, what did he teach?
1: 20th century American history with a focus on um, race and ethnicity.
0: Oh, wow, fantastic. That must that I that that helps, right? When you know your way around. I remember visiting Stanford, and Chris Walsh was my was my host, and we went to a, a, a women's basketball game, and they had a, a point guard named Jennifer Azy that was there. Now oh, yeah. it's a little bit a little bit before you were probably a young man. You may have been at that game as well. I don't know.
1: I, I was probably yeah. I was probably at that game with you. Yeah, my family and I would go check check
0: him out. Oh my god, that's amazing! So you walked on. Uh, it says as a punter. And yeah. which, which is interesting, right? You get out you get on you get your foot in the door any way you can, right?
1: Absolutely. Yep. I, I uh, you know, the, I took my VHS recruiting tape with me to meet with Coach Tyrone Willingham and he's like, <laughs> you know, we'll give you a spot as a punter. And I was like, I'd love to try receiver too, and he was just basically like, Yeah, okay, why not? We'll
0: give you a try. <laughs> let's well yeah, hey, let's crawl before we walk here. Yeah, I'm Tyrone yeah. And, and Tyrone was the running back's coach here when I was playing. And I know the I know Robert well, nah, Smith and okay. those guys loved him because Tyrone yeah, Tyrone yeah. never he never walked upstairs. Never. He always ran up him. Oh really? Oh he was yeah, he always, was yeah. we just oh my god, we yeah. love Tyrone. But then you so you yeah, did get the opportunity though, and this is this is and I don't want to gloss over this because I, I, I want people to know just um that not only that this can be done, and I think people in Minnesota are familiar with uh, Adam Thielen. But this is a situation where you walked yeah. on you walked on as a punter and you asked yeah. to play wide receiver and like you said, you get the look. But you ended you ended up playing four years as a wideout, special teams. It's not easy to do. What was your attitude? You weren't a you know, like a super high recruit and you didn't have an attitude or an ego. No. You just went out there and did it.
1: Yeah, and uh, a matter of just embracing opportunity. You know, I was given this great opportunity and I didn't want to let it pass me by. And so I as a walk-on, you have to work harder than everybody else to get noticed. When you get an opportunity, you have to capitalize on it. Uh, but the great part is, what you know, you're going against great competition. So I, I obviously played scout team, and I went against guys that were, you know, first-round draft picks, guys that were starters in the Pac-10 for years. And you have to embrace that as not, an, uh, you know, an, uh, a challenge you can't overcome, but a challenge that can teach you something. So – Anytime I would, you know, as a freshman, I would get beat up. Like guys would hit me, guys would jam me up, guys would cover me. But it's like, okay, what did I do that didn't work and what can I do differently? And then every rep kind of soaking it in as a learning experience. Okay, what what can I put in my tool tool belt from that? And eventually you start building this repertoire of moves, of knowledge, and then also watching the older guys. You know, I had a lot of good receivers in front of me and I got to watch them. And so – the combination of learning, good coaching, and then just getting to try it on scout team, um, it allowed me to grow and it allowed me to flourish and eventually gave me the opportunity to actually contribute to the team.
0: And you you kind of parlayed those, or that experience um, into the NFL because in 2005, you were with the San Diego Chargers, you were undrafted, so you're kind of walking into a similar situation or at least a yeah. similar mentality, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I got a... A chance to try out with the Chargers because James Lofton, the Hall of Fame receiver um, was the receiver's coach for the Chargers, and his son was on my football team in college. So he there got you to go. watch our games because he was watching the son. Uh, and he's a former Stanford wide receiver, and he wanted to give give a guy a shot. So he gave me a shot, fortunately. And, uh, you know, I had a tryout, so mini th- uh, minicab, three days, five practices. And that was my shot at the NFL. And just like you mentioned, I learned that mentality as a walk-on. You're going to get an opportunity. Make sure you're ready for it, uh, and I was ready for it, and and it, it it worked out well for
0: me. I remember the transition from college to the NFL. Um, you mentioned you played against some great players at Stanford. What was that? What was that like for you? Um,
1: I mean, well, a, a few different approaches. One is I walk into a, uh, into the locker room, and I've got a jersey hanging up in the same locker room as Drew Brees, Phillip <laughs> Rivers, Antonio <laughs> Gates, Latanya Thompson, and I'm like. I'm just like in awe. I'm like, wow, like, this is amazing. <laughs> even if I'm in the NFL for three days, like, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and then, you know, as a receiver, the rules are easier for you in the NFL than they are in college. So in college, a guy can jam you and ride you all the way down the field. In the NFL, they can get, they got five yards. And, bas- you know, most guys don't even try to get that because if they latch onto you for six yards, it's a penalty. Right. Uh, and so I, it actually, the rules of, of being a receiver make it easier to be a receiver in the NFL, but that doesn't discount the fact that the cornerbacks are much better. Uh, but, you know, with that extra freedom of, of not getting jammed, you can use your technique. And I always was a sound technician as a, as a wide receiver. So I learned to use that to my advantage, knowing these guys can't get their hands on me the same way you know, I got a little craftier in my route running and and it you know, that was super helpful along my career.
0: You started there in San Diego, then you eventually went to the Miami Dolphins in two thousand seven and you were part of a Tony Sperano led team that went from one and fifteen to eleven and five. What went into that yeah. turnaround? That had to have been an amazing year and, and, and you know, Viking fans were all very familiar with Tony Sperano.
1: That's the greatest turnaround in NFL history, from one win to ten wins. At ten, I mean, sorry, one to eleven, the ten-win swing. And I have that team game ball that everybody got, kind of commemorating that year. And, and when I talk to young football players, that's one of the things I'm most proud of, is being part of that team turnaround, because it was not easy. Tony Sperano and Bill Parcells came in, and they worked us hard, like it was day in, day out. Wow all the way grind to the point where like, you show up for a Wednesday or Thursday practice and you're like, I, I got to get through this practice. Like I'm going to have to grind to get through. <laughs> and that's how it was every day. And that's, but that's what we needed. I didn't know it at the time. I kind of, I kind of despised that attitude because I was, I was tired. I was struggling. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to change a culture, when you're trying to break the mold of a losing team, one, you got to weed out all the guys that aren't willing to work, and then you got to change a mindset. And when you grind in practice, when you grind to earn your spot, you're going to grind in the game. Uh, and that's what Sperano did. He changed, changed the culture and changed our mindset, and it, it, it worked.
0: Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's football season at Mystic Lake with Vikings drawings. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and an Ice Castle Fish House. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com/vikings. Now let's jump back into our conversation with Greg Camarillo. So then you make your way, you get traded for Benny Sapp. You make your way to Minnesota in uh, 2010. And you you take a look and you think about back then, you played with three guys that are in the Hall of Fame, probably one more guy that's going to be, like Randy Moss, Steve Hutchinson, Brett Favre, and Adrian Peterson, I'm sure, eventually will make it. Uh, What was your time in Minnesota like?
1: Uh, it was an adventure so you know you, you, i was in miami wearing tank tops and shorts and i get a, get a call to the gm's office you're moving to minnesota buddy And so i had to get a whole new wardrobe uh i remember wearing a, like a like a bright colored linen suit to an away game and all the guys made fun of me like they're not in miami anymore man you gotta, you gotta change your wardrobe get get some flannel or something you know, it wasn't the greatest years, twenty ten and eleven, but I I had a great experience. One, I didn't know what Minnesota was like, and, it, and it's a it's an awesome place. I really enjoyed it. Great people, great city, great atmosphere. But then, like you mentioned, getting to play with those guys, you know, I I grew up watching Brett Favre, and then suddenly I'm in a locker room with him. Yeah, uh, that's just that's exciting. Uh, you know, something that you know I've got his signed jersey, something that I'll tell my kids and grandkids about. Um, and then, you know the it, the team was coming off of the NFC championship loss, I believe. And so there was a lot of excitement going into 2010. We went down to New Orleans and it was just, I learned what true fanfare was like. Cause with the chargers, there's fans, but they're not like the same diehard fans. Miami, there's just, we had never really won anything. So the, the fans weren't as, as strong. And then you get to Minnesota and these fans love their Vikings. And it was just great to be, in a dome, loud. You know, no, we didn't win loud. as much as we wanted to, but the fans, the fans didn't care. They were excited. They were there, uh, and so it was cool to experience that that football culture and then be around these Hall of Fame guys as well.
0: The Metrodome was ridiculous. It's just and the, the, yeah. been part of that. It's amazing how different it is, right, throughout the NFL when you from city to city. Yeah. Um and so that experience had to have had to have been amazing for you. So you you played your time here, you did some time in New Orleans, you joined the University of San Diego in 2014, and right now you're Assistant Director of Scholar-Athlete Development. And so tell us a little bit about that and your work with uh, current college kids.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know when I was done playing football, I had to kind of redirect and figure out what I was going to do. I knew I liked sports, I liked college campuses, and I liked working with student-athletes, so... I found a job working with student-athletes, and so what I do is, you know, advise them in their in their general academic stuff, uh, but also help them prepare for the transition from high school into college and then from college into real life, and uh, it's fun to be part of the journey of a being, you know, of student-athletes, being that I was one, I still consider myself an athlete, even though some would probably debate that at this point, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, you know, I I enjoyed my journey so much that I want to try to help shape the journey of, of scholar athletes now, um, and it's it's been fulfilling. It's I've been doing it for seven years, and it keeps me involved with the worlds that that I want to be involved in. You know, school athletics, and then uh, just connecting with people. All
0: right, so you, as a former player, you've you've heard you have a lot of quotes, right? Where, where, where you know the coaches are always. You know, life is hard. Yeah. Don't be oh, stupid absolutely. and make it harder. What what what's the what's the phrase that you catch yourself saying the most to these young to these young athletes?
1: This is really just something I tell my kids more than well, my athletes too, but it's attitude and effort. And that's what I've learned through football and anything else. If you have a good attitude and you give good effort, it's gonna work out. And it's I mean, that's how it was as a receiver. I was never the most athletic guy, but I had a good attitude and I was gonna give you everything I had. And if you approach anything with that mentality. It's going to work out. You don't got to be the smartest. You don't have to be the biggest. If you've got a good attitude and good effort, you're going to get somewhere.
0: And then do they look at you and, and say, that's it? That's all it takes? Because it's a lot easier said than done, is it not? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And then some <laughs> sweet hands. You got to have some sweet hands on top
0: of that. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's awesome. Now, you have um, University of St. Thomas, which is local here uh, in St. Paul. Um, they're making the transition to, to big-time sports. What do you think their biggest yeah. uh, challenge is going to be, jumping from Division Three up to your level?
1: You know, building that winning mentality, because when you make that jump, you, you know, you're know, you not going to have the same talent as the other places right away, but you got to keep people on board with pushing for that. So, you know, creating that environment where we believe in this university, we believe in this athletic department, we believe in these teams, even if it doesn't turn into wins right now, we believe in the direction we're going. Um, so when you get everybody on board pushing in the same direction, and good things will happen.
0: Is that an attitude and effort type uh, situation? Is that what you're trying to oh, say? Oh, man, you got to have it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all comes down to that, man. Good attitude, good effort. It's going to work out.
0: Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time. Greg Camarillo, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I love I loved your story, and I love guys that were in your situation because – you had a foot in the door, and that was all you needed, and you took it and ran and I think that's something that everybody uh whoever played in the NFL would admire and uh, we enjoyed. I enjoyed calling your games and watching you play when you were here as a Viking.
1: Awesome, Well, I appreciate you having
0: me on. All right, man, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again to Gerd Camarillo for taking the time to catch up with us tonight. It sounds like he's he, he's taken those messages and those things that he's learned and sending that positive message. Uh, to the next generation and helping them realize their goals and letting them know that they can do it as well. They can defy the odds. They just have to do it day after day after day. And a little bit of elbow grease gets you to the top. So, all right, let's take a look at our Northern Tool and Equipment Keys to Success. Northern Tool and Equipment brings the power with top brands like Milwaukee, Steel, Lincoln Electric, Honda, and more. Northern Tool and Equipment, quality tools for serious work. So when you take a look at this this Chargers team, I mean, the first person that comes to mind is Justin Herbert. I mean, he's kind of the cog in the wheel that makes this whole thing go. Uh, solid run game. Not I don't think anything that, uh, you know, they're, they're not the Cleveland Browns in the running game. Austin Eckler is a good running back. The challenge that you have is you've got Herbert, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Mike Williams, uh, Jaylor Guyton, who's another guy that uh, fits in that trio, and a good, you know, Donald Parham is a is a good tight end. A lot of talent up and down the field. Um, they remind me of us on offense quite a bit. Uh, Herbert's going to be it's going to be hard to get to only because he's one two three plant throw. The ball comes out quickly. When they want to go deep, they play fake. They keep him moving. Uh, that's how they change things up. Their offensive line is solid wouldn't call it great. You should be able to shut down this running game and do a good job of it and put it in the hands of, you know, of of Herbert Keenan Allen is 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 a, is a very very good wide receiver, very very smart. He's as good as it gets. Yeah, and and they're and they're going to get him the ball quick 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 and then Mike Williams <laughs> throw deep, right? That's that's kind of how they you know how they how they roll on offense. It's kind of weird watching this team or at least looking at what they have on weapons. They have a superstar deep guy, they have a superstar route runner, they have a running back who can both run and catch out of the backfield and, and can be shifty. And then you have a quarterback one clean can absolutely dagger yeah. all the throws. So, like, yeah, it sounds very similar. It's just comes again, comes down to execution. And, and Eckler, you know, Eckler's not our guy. He's not Dalvin. He's not easy to bring down. So it was interesting to see against Philadelphia watching guys like Fred Cox in the beginning of the game they're just destroying people and then as the game goes on they start wearing out they start wearing out. And, yeah. then, and then all of a sudden now now you know for for Eckler it's not one and two yards it's 5 to 7 yards so that is that's their running game right that's how that's set up the battle of attrition yeah exactly just, just wear you out over the game and like you said two becomes five or six and then defensively you watch you, you watch this team and you watch Lindball and These guys on the inside, in a league now where they platoon, they leave them in there. And we know this, that Lindvall when rested, he's he's as good as it gets. You know, good luck up front. But you watch that Philadelphia game, and Philly started to wear him down a little bit. Uh, You know, the front really started to wear him down. Um, You know, Joey Bosa, at he kind of picks and chooses when he's going to turn on that athleticism. So if you give him a third and ten, Ugh. Look out. Have fun with that. If you keep him honest and keep him running, um, you know, it, it, it's it's like he'll 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 disappear for a while. And then when the big play is needed, he obviously turn flips that switch and, and away we go. So, I mean, but he can ruin your day in a you know in a heartbeat, no question about that. Uh solid defensive backfield, they make their fair share of mistakes. You know, Philly got deep on him a couple times. So you know, I think overall defensively, you know, they're 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 a good, you know, they're a good group. I mean, it's again, it's like, does anybody really stand out? Hmm, not really, but overall, they play well together as a unit. They play the. You know, a lot of that five-man front, the bare front like we see all the time. And early on in the game, it's going to be tough to run against them because they are so physical up front. Another guy to look at is Derwin James, too. That guy on the back end of that team, he's got 64 tackles already this season. He's got a sack and a half. Like, yeah. Derwin James is another guy <laughs> to keep your eyes on because yeah. he can be an absolute game wrecker. He could be a game wrecker. How do you neutralize a safety like that? Well, you just count for him, right? You in And if you – you can get them to overcommit to certain things if you give your quarterback time. That's another big thing. So um but overall it 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 should play out where the beginning of this game is slow to go on both sides. And then, you know, maybe on maybe the more action as, as we get as we get later into this game, especially offensively on this defense. With us heading out to the West Coast, this will be a uh, 3.05 p.m. kickoff at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Excited to see that place. Uh, Be sure to join Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Mike Musman, Greg Coleman, and myself on the KFAN pregame show and broadcast all across the Vikings radio network. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria. Proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.